Today is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Parents in Indiana issue a major warning for other American families after the state removes their child over pronoun usage. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can email us as well, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Billy and Trey normally join me right about now. They are actually at the NRB conference in Tennessee right now. They will be making an appearance later on here in the podcast. We got a lot to get to, so we'll get right to it. On the focus story, as I mentioned at the top here, we've got this crazy story of a couple who lost their child over not using the preferred pronouns the state got involved. We'll get to the details on that. Also on the main thing, while so many people right now are trying to cancel America's founding fathers, Tim Barton from Wall Builders, he's pointing people back to those founding fathers and says there's no more important time to do it than right now. He'll explain why on our conversation on the main thing coming up. Also, don't forget to subscribe to all of our CBN News podcasts, including DC Debrief with John Stolness. That's a new episode every Friday, rounding up what's going on in D.C. And also Newsmakers with Billy Hallowell. He's got one really compelling interview each weekday. You don't want to miss either of those podcasts. You can sign up in the description by following the links in this podcast episode. All right, housekeeping's out of the way. We're going to head over to the news here in 90 seconds. Two adults were charged with murder yesterday at the sh- over the shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade that left one person dead and injured scores of others. Dominic Miller and Lindell Mays both face charges of second-degree murder. They're being held on a million dollars bond. Authorities said a verbal altercation occurred and gunfire broke out with no regard for the thousands of others, uh, uh, individuals in the area. Total four people now have been charged. A mother of two, 43-year-old Lisa Lopez-Gavlin, was the person who was killed Several children were injured in the hail of bullets. One of those boys struck, missed his lungs, the bullet did, by just centimeters. His family called his survival a miracle. And former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley is vowing to stay in the 2024 GOP primary race, despite severely trailing Donald Trump in several polls. She justifies this by saying she needs to call the former president out because others, she says, are afraid to and adds that she's not afraid to say the hard truths out loud, quote-unquote, I feel no need to kiss the ring. And singer McKenna Breinhold received more than just a thumbs up from the American Idol judges after her audition over the weekend. She also got to meet her birth family in person. This is a really cool story. A great scene. Trust me, you'll be glad you watched it. You can check out the link to that video um, to cbnnews.com. It has that video. Great, great story. You have this a woman who was given up for adoption when she was just a baby. She's 25 now, and she has a great adoptive family, and then recently got interested in trying to find her birth family, and they were trying to find her, and she had, she had met them on just recently on FaceTime a couple times, but had not met them in person and did so at this audition where she chose to sing, by the way, uh, There Was Jesus by Zach Williams and Dolly Parton. So very cool song, very good scene. Definitely want to make sure you check that one out. All right, but before we get to the focus story, now I want to bring in Trey and Billy. You guys are at NRB in Tennessee this year. 
what tell me what's going on there and and what's the scene like so far it's pandemonium no <laughs> you know what it is i don't Trey, i don't even know how to describe it because it's kind of like the super bowl for christian media that's probably the best way yeah if you don't know what it tell for i mean that's a good way to describe it but if there's anything else you want to add Trey to what it is for those who don't know anybody who's really anybody like in, in christian entertainment and media and news and politics like all of them kind of descend on it every other year correct i think billy it's in tennessee and then it floats to a different city on the off years um so but yeah it's a huge event like there's so many people we've already talked to a bunch of people that are in podcasting and in christian entertainment we just talked to like bill abbott he's the the president of the uh, of great american media is somebody we just had on um Alyssa childers i know billy you've spoken with her and she's she's somebody our audience will be familiar with so yeah all kinds of people from all walks of life i think in faith all kind of descend at this one conference and you just get a good picture of what of what their ministries are like yeah that's really great yeah. and what and you mentioned Elisa childers you mentioned uh, some others any other names we can toss out there that i know because you guys do a ton yeah. of interviews when you're there anybody you want to tease before we head into our focus story yeah, we, we did 15 interviews just wow. today. So yeah. we talked with the founder of PureFlix, Michael Scott. We talked to uh, Lauren Green from Fox News was here. Um, Jack Hibbs, who's a well-known pastor. David Henry, who um, is an actor. He started out on Disney. He's playing Reagan in the upcoming uh, film. So yeah, it was just a really yeah. like a really good group of people. All right. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, looking forward to hearing all of the content, all the interviews and the conversations you guys have in the coming days as you return back and get all these interviews to air. So um, so that's where Billy and Trey are for all of you who are wondering. Right now, we're going to head over to the Focus story. We're going to go through this story. We mentioned it at the top, and it is just, it's almost hard to believe that this had happened in the United States, but it has. A Catholic couple in Indiana, Mary and Jeremy Cox, they found themselves in a legal battle with the state over their child's gender identity. So what happened was their son came out as identifying as a girl back in 2019. But the Coxes, they were sticking to their Catholic beliefs. They wouldn't change the pronouns. They wouldn't use the different name. They, as I think the terminology goes, they didn't go along with the preferred pronouns of their child. So then you fast forward to 2021 and Indiana officials began investigating the Coxes after a report found they were not referring to their child by those preferred gender identity pronouns. And then they removed the teen from their custody and placed him in a, quote, gender-affirming home. And the state said there was, afterwards, they said there was no evidence of abuse or neglect by the Coxes, but they argued that their stance on gender was causing distress to the child. And so this is what the Coxes said. They responded by saying, when our son was removed, it was like someone pulled the rug from underneath us. And he said, as mm -hmm. a father, I believe one of my main goals is to keep my children safe. And I can't do that when the state comes into our house and takes our kids because we can't in good conscience affirm his transgender ideology. So Mark and Jeremy, uh, I'm sorry, Mary and Jeremy are taking their case all the way up to the Supreme Court now. With the help of Beckett Law, their religious liberty law firm. And Mary said that this is what every parent is afraid of. And they said, We love our son and we wanted to care for him, but the state of Indiana robbed us of that opportunity by taking him from our home and banning us from speaking to him about 
gender. And so it goes on, guys, but uh, they're fighting this fight for a couple reasons. One, they don't want other people to have to deal with this same shocking outcome where the state kind of comes in and uses these sort of deceptive needs to remove a child from a home, which should really only be done in extreme circumstances. And they also don't want the state to have grounds to interfere with their other children who are still minors. That child now that this dispute is over is an adult. So even if the court switched the ruling around, that child could still choose not to go back to that house because they're an adult. So it's more so for those other reasons uh, to continue this fight as their other children and also for others out there. But this story, uh, guys, we've covered stuff like this. There's a lot here. I I'm interested to hear y'all's reaction. But I mean, I think about the conversations we've had about how just the mentality of the state feels like they have more sway over the parents. We see that in some school situations, but really shocking story here. Yeah, it is. And I think this is the danger when we talk about slippery slopes and we talk about where the government is headed and why religious freedom and religious liberty are so important. A case like this is really the prime example that we can point to and say, look, when you don't speak up, when you're not vocal, when you allow the government to get out of control, these are the sorts of circumstances that happen when you know, we recede from culture and we allow the culture to redefine the truth in so many different ways. There are really big ramifications. It's not just a complaint about entertainment and what's being shown in entertainment. This is actually real life custody of your children, future of your children's lives. And it's pretty troubling. Yeah, I think this is a uh, a good reminder that it's not just people that are complaining about some sort of social issue, like in an abstract way, right? These are it's really impacting people's lives. And this is why it's so important that we don't kick God out of the public sphere, or maybe we're seeing the consequences of having kicked the Lord out of our, you know, the public school system out of our, our general life as a, as a secular culture, we've pushed all of that to the side. And now we've kind of just let human reason and human logic reign. And this is the chaos that comes from it. This is the world that we've created and we're reaping the consequences of it, unfortunately. And it's it's impacting children, I think, in the most severe ways. Yeah. And parents, of course, is like this case. And another angle of this is, which we've talked about on the podcast many times, are the linguistic tactics that are used by activists in the framing. And it seems subtle and it seems like maybe it's not a big deal when you see it in news articles. But Something as simple as gender-affirming care. You repeat that over and over and over again. Well, now this needs to be the standard. Well, gender-affirming must be the thing that's good. And so these parents aren't doing that. They're not gender-affirming. Well, now this is causing harm. We talk about this all the time. If you just say, well, it's causing me harm when you don't go along with X, Y, and Z. If they institutionalize that terminology and back it up with the institutions that can enforce these things, that's problematic, as this couple found out. Very problematic. They can't even make the argument, well, wait a minute, we don't, let's define harm here. Uh, what mm. is harm? Because the state has decided that it's not being gender affirming. Well, a Christian couple would, uh, would say harm is the exact opposite, allowing your child to leave, be yanked from their parents' home or to be able to change their gender. So, they're creating the definitions here, and if we don't stand up to those things, these are the sorts of things I'm afraid we're going to be dealing with more and more. 
Yeah, well, I mean, there's kind of a confluence of things happening here, too, right? You have the changing cultural norms and things, the ideas of what we think is right or wrong that continue to change and evolve, religious liberty, infractions, and you have really the culture becoming a lot softer. You know, everything is about emotions. So if I feel this way, you have to justify it, and everybody gets a trophy. And we used to laugh about some of those latter things I'm mentioning here, mm -hmm. but I think it's actually impacting this, right? No, my feelings matter, and they matter so much that I will destroy you if you hurt them yeah and so yeah. i think we're, we're watching that sort of infuse this discussion well i think it's a lot of it too is the the kids who were in college and were taught about safe spaces and that words are violence and uh, that if you d if you don't completely affirm me and celebrate me then you're not tolerating me that generation is now coming into power right that generation is now the ones that mm -hmm. are they're starting to make decisions at corporations they're taking positions on local school boards and in the classroom as teachers like they're making an impact on our culture so i think a lot of that way of thinking similar to kind of what you were saying billy we kind of made fun of it and we poked fun at like the, the snowflake generation type memes that we all saw, but it's actually, we're seeing the damage that it can do if it's left unchecked. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we'll certainly be praying for this couple here. I mean, aside from whatever this court rules, like I said, the child's an adult, so who knows what they'll choose despite the ruling, but we need to be praying for that family. There's a lot of broken families out there. I'm sure we all know one that are dealing with issues surrounding gender and identity, and it's causing hardship in a lot of families, So and sadness and brokenness. So we're praying for restoration on all those fronts, and we'll keep you uh, apprised as to what's going on on the legal front and the, the cases we're seeing here in America uh, like this one. All right, we are going to head on over to the main thing now. And Tim Barton is author of The American Story, Building the Republic. He's also president of wallbuilders.com and the founders the founding fathers of this country that is they're taking a lot of flack in today's culture a lot of people trying to cancel them but according to tim barton there may not be a more important time than right now to rediscover that history of our nation's founding i caught up with tim and a portion of our conversation is today's main thing obviously we're heading into this highly contentious 2024 election. And so you guys are looking back at these presidents that sort of helped build the country. What, what, if anything, can we learn from them as we're heading into this election? It's such a great question. And it's something we put a lot of consideration to when my dad and I were writing this book together, uh, you know, starting from the place that first of all, most people, most Americans probably know the name George Washington or John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison. We know we've heard those names at least. Most people don't know James Monroe or John Quincy Adams. Some people might know Andrew Jackson, depending on what state you're from, but most of us don't know their stories. And, and, and to your point of even the relevance today, political cycle, George Washington was the first president, but but he 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 knew all these guys, or maybe more specifically, all of them knew him. He knew most of them. I don't know whether he had a lot of interaction with Andrew Jackson, but everybody knew him. And after his presidency, he gave his farewell address. And this is kind of the way to view this is almost like the father leaving advice to his children. Now, I get that many of them were similar ages. And so it's kind of co-workers, but he is the father figure, right? He's a father of America. And he leaves this brilliant advice where, for example, he says, we need to make sure we don't get distracted with foreign entanglements, that, that we can't focus on other nations' issues because in his administration, for example, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, they had been friends in the revolution, but one was team France, one was team Britain. 
And during Washington's presidency, England and France have another one of their wars that breaks out. And they've done this for hundreds of years. And there were many people in Washington's administration who understood without France's involvement, we, we never would have won the revolution. But then so many of his administration were like, guys, we've been friends with England now for decades like that. We, we signed a peace treaty. We're friends again. We're all from England. We need to show out his cabinet actually began to split over this issue. So very pointedly, he's like, guys, we have to focus on America things and don't be distracted by foreign interests. And I, I bring this up because we could talk about things happening with Ukraine and Russia right now. And we've sent $200 billion to Ukraine. There's so many things he said that are so pertinent. He, he suggested that in his farewell address, we need to be careful to not prioritize a political party over principle. And right now we're living in an era where, where people care more about their side winning then, then sometimes they do about what's actually true. And Washington literally warned like, hey guys, be careful, watch out for this. You can go down the list of, of his admonitions, his cautions, his warnings from the farewell address. And it's interesting when you go through these first seven presidents, the six after Washington, you can almost define their success as presidents by how well they followed his advice and ultimately by how well they remembered the moral foundation. Those that, that, remembered the biblical foundation, put God first and limited themselves to the constitution. They had by and large, pretty good presidencies. And those that didn't follow Washington's advice that, that, that didn't maintain the religion and morality that Washington had warned about or cautioned, we need to protect in his farewell address. Those that didn't follow the constitution, you see the deviation. So as, as we go through these first seven presidents in our book, it really is not only a great way to rediscover some of these amazing men, learn their stories. So we actually know who they are, but even revisiting the advice they gave, as we're looking at the brokenness in America around us, they literally offered the exact solution we need and so many of the issues we're dealing with. And to revisit that advice, to, to learn to apply that, I really do believe it would solve so many of the problems we're dealing with in our nation today. Yeah, I mean, that's when people, and it's interesting, I want to talk about how there's a lot of people trying to essentially cancel the founders, <laughs> a lot of the founders, Jefferson, you know, statues and stuff getting torn down. But when you look at some of these principles, the brilliance of it is that it's withstood the test of time, most of them, right. right? And so that's why people, you know, whether they had these flaws, you know, looking back uh, with our 2020 vision now and seeing the right and wrongs where it was different back then, uh, what do you make of sort of this effort now to try to cancel these, uh, these very yeah. presidents that you're writing about? Well, let me start from a faith-based perspective. We, we address this some uh, in our book. This is actually the second book in, in our series, The Installment of American History. So we address this topic a little more in the first book, but as a person of faith, right, as a Christian, we, we didn't used to have to explain to people, hey, George Washington wasn't perfect, because as a Christian, we used to understand right. the very basic premise idea that all have fallen. All have, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. Like the very reason Jesus came is because we're not perfect. And it's almost like we forgot. If you think of some of the major leaders, the heroes of the Bible, well, King David is certainly on that list, right? I mean, King David writes the majority of the book of Psalms. We know he's an amazing warrior. What he does for Israel, even his son, Solomon. Solomon is the king that reigned in peace pretty much his entire time as king of Israel. Well, why did he reign in peace? Because David had killed all their enemies, right? David is an amazing warrior. But if you read the whole Bible, it tells a lot more about King David because we know that he had the affair with Bathsheba and she gets pregnant. He murders Uriah, the husband. We know that David had major 
family issues with his sons that that Absalom tries to kill one of the sons actually does kill the son that had the affair like raped Amnon raped his sister Absalom's like this is crazy Absalom kills his son Absalom tries to violently overthrow take the throne from the father I mean you look at David's family life and you're like dude this guy's a terrible father he's he's a terrible parent yeah David had a lot of brokenness and yet when we remember the story of David we don't categorize him by failings in his life because we recognize that God used him in amazing ways and we celebrate the ways God used him even though the Bible is honest about his brokenness. And yeah. this is this is what we try to do with telling the story of the founding fathers. We try to be honest about their brokenness. And man, look, some of them are really bad on certain issues, but also recognizing how a perfect God uses imperfect people and does great things through them. It's the reason cancel culture is so ridiculous because cancel culture says we need to cancel people that weren't perfect. (laughs) Well, guess who fits in that category, right? Like every one of us would be canceled. And also when we're canceling founding fathers, it's a reflection of how little history people actually know. For example, and not to side trail too much, but, but, People want to cancel founding fathers. So they say, well, they had slaves. Well, many of them did have slaves, not all of them. And actually many of them came out against slavery, but let's just, let, let's context for a second. If you're looking at world leaders in the 1700s, can you name any nation of the world in which their political leaders, their, their political elites, their kings, their rulers, can you name any nation where their leaders did not have slaves? Because that's the way the world was in the 1700s. It doesn't mean it was right for the founding fathers to do it. But, but what is different is people are learning history today as if the founding fathers were the only ones doing this evil that everybody else already figured out was wrong. No, no, that's not the case. Right. The founding that's- fathers were doing the same sin that everybody else was doing. And yet it was individuals from the founding fathers who were the first ones to actually begin the legal political end to slavery in America. And that happened in America before anywhere else in the world. Every single Northern colony, when we separated from Great Britain, every single Northern colony began passing laws to end slavery, to end the slave trade and to abolish slavery. By 1804, every single Northern colony had passed laws to abolish slavery and the slave trade. Well, England didn't do that till 1833. So the Northern states in America were 30 years before England, and and we were world leaders in that, and they don't get credit for that. All right. I love that conversation with Tim Barton. The book is American Story, Building the Republic. Make sure you check that out. And our full conversation with Tim Barton is going to be coming up here soon on the YouTube channel. As soon as it's up and it's live in its entirety, you're kind of getting a preview of that right there. Uh, We will include it in the links to one of the podcasts. If it's not this one, a future podcast. So you can easily check that out. All right, that's going to leave us with time on the podcast for one last thing. We are going to take a look at John 15, 8. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And guys, our ultimate purpose here in life is to glorify God. And we do this by producing a lot of fruit. I find that convicting, but also encouraging because he helps us to do that. Yeah, Hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. And just, you know, being able to to constantly turn to him no matter what we face. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different seasons in life, right? Good, bad, and, and somewhere in between. And it's important to make sure that Christ is the priority in, in all of them because he's the thread that holds it all together. Yeah. And in this section here earlier in John 15, Jesus is saying that I am the true vine. And exactly right. like our us branches can't do anything apart from the vine. So Good spot to leave it here, guys. Get back to NRB and getting all those interviews and discussions. We look forward to hearing from those in the day to, the days to come. 
And in the meantime, get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, that creek don't rise on us. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.